eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. A few more of your Twitter questions. Make sure you're following along at Bengals underscore stand. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. We're going to go to Goose. He said, who do you see on the current roster as the favorites to win the interior O-line spots? Our depth across the entire O-line is concerning, but are we looking at Trey Smith as our center if Karras goes down? Trey Hill. I wish it was Trey Smith. Trey Trey Hill. <laughs> Trey, um, I read it. I read it just off Twitter. I'm having a hard Twitter reading day today, but it is Trey Hill. But it said Trey Smith, and I apologize. Ah, uh, man, I feel like if they were going to make a change at center, it would have been late in the or backup center. It would have been late in the draft. I don't know if I see them going out and signing a guy. I think what you're hoping for, if you don't want Trey Hill to be your backup center, which. I don't know. Maybe he's improving. Who knows? Uh, we haven't seen him. That's great. Well, uh, well, did no, we see him? No. I Did we see him? In the Panthers game? 20... That's the only one I can think of. Oh, we did see him for a game against the Lions last uh, two years ago. I don't think it was a disaster. I thought it was whatever, but <laughs> I don't think it was, you know, yeah. that bad. Um, yeah. If, if you're rooting for a different backup center, you're probably rooting for Ben Brown, who was an undrafted free agent last year, to, and he was injured all of this past season. You're hoping for him to step in and take that, take that job. I thought they would be interested in it in the draft, but maybe they are just higher on Trey Hill than we think. I don't. I don't think we know much about Trey Hill is really the thing, and maybe that's a uh, I think most people assume it's not a good thing. Maybe it is fine though. Maybe it is kind of a good, like he's gotten better. Maybe it's probably too optimistic to think all this, but maybe he has gotten a little bit better. Maybe he has, you know, developed into a low end starting or high end backup center. Who knows? Cause we just, we haven't seen him. And other than preseason, I guess if, but I'm not judging anybody by preseason. Jamar Chase had a terrible preseason. I remember <laughs> thinking it was one of the worst preseasons I've seen for a first worried. round pick. It was worried. And then first game, you know, he's awesome. And they put all that to bed. But uh, yeah, that is uh backup center is interesting. I thought they'd go for one in the draft, but 
Maybe they feel good about Ben Brown. Maybe they feel good about Trey Hill. Who knows? Maybe it just didn't happen for them. They didn't like the centers that did fall, and they liked the centers that got taken early. Who do you think the odd man out is on the offensive line right now? Um, Deontay Smith, sadly. Yeah, the I think 20, so. The 2021 preseason will forever live in my memory, but he hasn't really shown enough in his extra tackle and, and other appearances. Now, I think that would make fans upset if Deontay is cut and Adenji is kept, but I think that could be very likely. I think so too, because that was going to be my follow-up question. The thing about Hakeem, he's had to step up in a lot of big moments. Um, you know, you think about the Super Bowl year, even last year, and I was holding out hope. I know it was only like five minutes into the game, but he was uh, starting for the Bills game. And I was like, all right, Hakeem. All right. It was the Monday night football game in regular season. And I thought maybe he can he can get them there. It's going to be, you know, we still have a few more games in regular season, still have the playoffs. If they make it to the Super Bowl, can Hakeem just be there until – their um, Jonah Williams is back or, or they have a healthy offensive line and then it just didn't work out. What do, what do you think of Akeem Adenogy? Do you still have hope that Frank Pollock and this offensive line staff can work with him and he can still be that swing depth piece tackle? I thought Hakeem was fine in the Patriots game. And then I thought he was doing pretty good in that Bills game before the unfortunate um injury Mm -hmm. and then he was even not bad in the last regular season game against the ravens and then the playoffs he kind of stunk it up a little bit although he wasn't that bad in in the bills game he was every piece in the offensive line was playing at a pretty decent level in that game they they dominated the trenches but um yeah i i feel like there was some promise there especially early into his stint there after Collins's injury. It's just, I think the people obviously have the memory of him at guard in the 2021 playoffs and throughout that season. And then, you know, he was maybe the, I don't know if he was the worst. I feel like Sharping might've been worse in that uh, AFC championship game, but one of the worst members of the offensive line in a game where everybody on the offensive line got smoked. So uh, that is, I think sticking in people's memories, but in my mind, I think that I'm not as down on him as a lot of people. That's just, I, I don't know how much better he's going to get. We're in year th- four, three. Yeah. He's, he might just be what he is, but I do think he can come in. And even in the game, Jonah got hurt and came back after halftime, Thought he was even fine there. Like during the time between his injury and halftime, I thought he played okay. And I just think Bengals fans are really down on him, but he seems like okay depth. He can play for a game, mm-hmm. maybe two games. It's after that where it becomes real dicey to start him. And so you don't want that, but that feels like what you might want out of, especially like a fourth tackle could even be a fifth tackle. You're looking at Brown Collins Jonah, Carmen, and he's probably the fifth guy, but he's the only one that you know as a backup can also play right tackle. I think that is probably a little scary to hear for Bengals fans, but it is possible that your week one starter is Hakeem Adenogy because Jonah Williams doesn't transition well and Carmen doesn't transition well, and you know Hakeem can at least give you not 
abysmal uh, snaps at right tackle, hopefully, at least. I guess in the Chiefs game that they were kind of abysmal snaps. But more often than not, it may have just been regular bad. <laughs> well, it's kind of crazy because he was drafted, and everyone says you really can't grade a draft until like three to four years later. He was, was he a seventh-round pick? He was the he was picked at 180th in the sixth round. But if okay. you think about that draft class, you get Joe Burrow, you get T. Higgins, you get Logan Wilson, uh, Akeem Davis-Gaither, Marcus okay. Bailey, uh, Hakeem Adeniji. And Khalid Kareem. And, yeah, and that's their draft. Which, honestly, if someone were to tell you you were going to hit on about five and maybe a half of those picks, you'd say every single day of the week. Let me. Yeah, well, okay. So what would you grade Hakeem Adeniji three years later as a sixth-round pick? If they would have won the Super Bowl, B-. minus. <laughs> B, I mean, I would say C+. Plus. Yeah, I'm at like a B minus. Like this is sixth round. <laughs> You're right. You You're, we were so hard on Akeem Adeniji. We were so hard on him, and he he's had to step up in very big moments, um, unfortunately. And I agree with you. I think you have him as your swing tackle. They've had to see Hakeem in big moments. And- he doesn't have to be the the swing tackle. I don't. I don't know if I want him to full on be the third tackle, but as your yeah, fourth tackle while Collins is recovering, maybe your fourth tackle in general, maybe your fifth tackle. And he's probably inactive on game days, but I, and maybe he, maybe he is just there until Collins gets healthy and then he's back, he's cut. And if he makes it through waivers to the practice squad or something, but I don't, I don't think the coaching staff is as down on him as the fans are. I agree with you. I will always remember Dave Lapham saying draft weekend, he felt like, you know, Hakeem is going to be such a great piece on this offensive line. It hasn't worked out all the way, but the supporting cast around him wasn't really helpful in 2020. Um, And obviously I felt like, and I don't think he gets enough credit. I thought 2022's offensive line from last year towards the mid to late end of the season, I'm like, okay, this is legit. This is good. This works. This is, this is what's helping this team get this current win streak that they're on and everything seemed to be going okay with it until they got to the injuries. And I feel like that offensive line would have been able to, just because we saw what the Super Bowl field looked like would have been able to kind of go against Philly's front just because yeah. it looked like they were playing on a and Philly the, was falling down left and right. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, oh, I was just gonna say, I think you're 100 correct. Yeah, I know I get the, uh, some people think I'm too easy on Frank, but I don't know of too many coaches, run game coordinators. They're going to abandon everything they've ever come up with wide zone. He's from the Alex Gibbs, the father of the wide zone offensive line coach and Gary Kubiak. That was his first job was under Gary Kubiak and Alex Gibbs, two thirds of the wide zone um, Broncos hive mind. And that has been his thing his entire career. And he just sees the guys that he wants and, or at least that he got in free agency and starting on this offensive line. And went, what I love is not going to work. And I'm going to have to get an entire new system in there to make this offense work. And he did it. And he did it really effectively. I understand the offensive line wasn't gelling early on, but man, I think you can't understate that. Yeah. You can't overstate what he did there. It's just, that is so difficult. Um, Not just changing a wrinkle here or there, completely changing what you do as a run game. And they became very efficient. They just didn't have the explosive plays. And hopefully that's what they're working on now. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You mentioned Lyle Collins, and I think that's worth a topic of discussion because, you know, you get the how people feel about Jonah Williams. He's making $12 million. He wasn't good enough at left tackle. We don't even know what he's going to look like at right tackle. I've said it before. The Bengals are going to put the best players available. But Lyle Collins... I don't expect him to be ready early on in the season and they'll put him on the pup list and that's totally fine. Um, but what do you do in the Lyle Collins situation to say that Jonah is just playing okay? It's nothing great. And I wouldn't even say it's average at right tackle, but they're getting by. You can still tell it's kind of a weak link during the season and Lyle can have finally come back. He's been cleared at practice. What does that look like for the offensive line? Do you say, you know what, Lyle is – going to be healthy because last year he was dealing with the back injury then the ACL and it sounded like it was a bad ACL tear um three tears which doesn't sound great for an offensive lineman or any human being uh coming back <laughs> from that and he's going to be coming back from that recovery but feels great and you know those ACL injuries happen all the time in the NFL and players can come back and play how do you feel about saying Lyle's cleared Jonah's he's he's enough but not good enough at right tackle, what do you do in that situation? <sighs> I'm glad I'm not on the coaching staff. Is my first thought. Uh, yeah, I. They will know better than we will about how they should feel because they're going to see these guys in practice. Maybe that is that's a scenario you could make the switch. I think if Jonah or Carmen or identity somehow is playing at an average level. You don't make the switch. You just like, well, that's your guy until he shows a reason not to be. If they are just below average, maybe think Jonah's past season. You could, you could be, you could push to make the switch. You just really got to work Lyle out and see, like, we got to see if you're still healthy, if you're whatever, you know, line Trey Hendrickson up and bull rush him and see if he can hold for more than two and a half seconds. Like he kept falling down last year or diving or whatever, you know, just line your guys up and tell them like, don't take it easy. You know, like let's, let's see if he can do this because he's going to be facing TJ Watt. He's going to be facing, uh, well, I guess not Micah Parsons this year, but uh, probably not Nick Bose. I'm trying to think of other guys that line up over on that side and rush the passer, but he's going to be facing TJ Watt. You know, uh, if I can't think of another one, it's all right. <laughs> um, yeah, explosive people. It's going to be explosive guys. I, I you know, uh, maybe they move Von Miller that side. Who knows? But there's there's a lot of guys that are going to possibly give you trouble. So you have to see that it. You know, it's good. He's good. He's ready to go. And if he's truly ready to go and he's better than he was last season, throw him in there. It's tough. I think the really tough part is when you think of this less as like a Madden type thing and more as people. If you take Jonah Williams, who's playing at just a below average level and bench him. And then Collins goes in there and does worse. Oh man, that's such a tough conversation to have about like, okay, well, we want to send you back out there. I know we benched you, but, um, uh, well, we were wrong. And that is this tough, especially because that relationship already a little, a little, 
a little, little fracture, awkward. little fracture in it. Uh, that might make it worse. So there's, when you think about the ego, the personality, and just that these guys are real people that are going to have emotions involved with everything. That's where that gets a little bit more difficult, I think, because if you make the Collins decision, I'm not saying it's permanent, but I am saying that it's going to be difficult. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty difficult to make the switch back. Yeah. I think what gives me optimism with this offensive line is I, if, if Jonah is going to be the guy at right tackle, and I keep forgetting to mention Jackson Carmen's going to be in competition for this too. Um, but I want to see Alex Kappa and Jonah Williams next to each other. You know, yeah. what is that going to look like? Also for Cordell Bolson, we could say the same thing. What's it going to look like having Orlando Brown next to him? You know, will that be helpful for those, for the interior and, and just Jonah Williams having that extra help from Alex Kappa? That's going to look a little different. I feel like since Jonah Williams has been with the Cincinnati Bengals and having just additional help on his side. So that kind of gives me a little optimism when I do think of the offensive line, but it's so crazy that I leave out Jackson Carmen because, you know, he's, he's full in on the competition. Zach Taylor's already said it, you know, it isn't Jonah Williams job just because he's making $12 million. Would they want it to work out because he's making $12 million? I'm sure, you know, you, you want this guy that you're giving this big chunk of change to, to work out for the position for at least one year, because he's going to be here for one more year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess the camp battle is going to be, be something to watch. I just don't expect Lyle Collins to to be participating for a while. Heck, throw Cody Ford into it. We talked about Akeem Energy. Maybe Cody Ford has a career year. Maybe he's the one that can play right tackle. Who knows? It's it's all up in the air. Preseason's gonna be cool, right? Like there is a a four person position battle at right tackle, and uh, I'm not sure how they're gonna manage those snaps, but I assume it will be probably a lot of Jonah and Carmen as the favorites, and then sprinkled in there maybe forward and identity and whoever else we're just three months away from talking about should the starters play in preseason yes I, I, well some i i don't <laughs> play the offensive line in the preseason i agree i don't want that slow start that was a disaster start for them <laughs> i mean i know there's a chance of injury but they just need the time together it's it's guys that haven't worked together volson and brown haven't worked together and mm-hmm. Kappa and whoever haven't worked together either. The only guys that have worked together are the interior. I just ugh, nightmares of what Alex Highsmith, TJ Watt, Micah Parsons did to this offensive line in the first couple weeks. I mean, can can the NFL? That's not funny, Nick. Uh, Nick, our producer, is a Steelers fan. He's laughing. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that was a nightmare. That was an absolute nightmare. I, I have the turnovers in my head of just how that day went when you, when the optimism was in the air, like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. it was like the third play where he threw the pick six to Minka Fitzpatrick third play. I thought it was like the very, no, like first one. The, I think the very first play Cordell Volson got blown up by Cam Hayward. I'm not hundred oh, percent sure. So Maybe bad. my recollection is a little bit off, but like. I couldn't think of a worse first series to get the fans excited about the team that just went to the Super Bowl. I even want Burrow to play a, a series or something. Just he looked really rusty in that first game, right? I don't it's, know if I want Joe out there in preseason. That could have been the appendix. Who knows? Yeah. I'm just yeah, even if he's I, hand, I, I agree. Even if I he's think just I, handing it off a bunch or you run very safe like RPOs, he's not gonna get hit. Just something just get him better start than where he was last year. I think a lot of people forget how great that 10 game win streak was because of how the beginning of the season went, because the beginning of the season felt like it was 10 weeks long. 
when you lose the game against the Steelers, you lose to the Cowboys, you lose the Baltimore Ravens game, you lose the Browns game, just like how the beginning of the season really started was like, oh my goodness. And then they were all good. They were in sync. The offensive line started to get gelling together. And that's extremely important. So don't worry. In two and a half months, we'll have everything preseason for the offensive starters and what's that what that's going to look like. But training camp is right around the corner. Um, you know, hopefully we'll have some extensions to talk about. And I know you're going to have plenty on all Bengals. What is up there now? Uh, by the time you're listening, a DJ Turner article. And then hopefully before our next episode, I will have out uh, the Jordan Battle article. Although I really have to grind to get that one. I haven't watched too much Jordan battle. So I'm going to watch about five games over the weekend and write a report. Uh, DJ Turner ended up around nine games. And I was at like 10 for Murphy. It's going down with each guy. <laughs> I, have a, I have a good feeling that you'll be able to find plenty of Alabama tape. I, so. yes, I, I have ever, I have, I have this year full, the whole season that I have all of last year as well. So it was more so just picking and choosing which ones I want to watch because I don't have time to watch 20 something games. Yeah. When you told me after the, like two days after the draft, we were recording and I was like, did you watch any Miles Murphy? You're like, yeah, I watched 10 games. Like, how do you watch these games in that period of time? I was on, so. I was on a flight. Well, I didn't watch 10 games. Okay. I watched three games before okay. uh, to get a general feel for them. And then I watched seven games after. And that was partially because you know, I was excited. So I watched a couple games right after the pick and then I was on a flight. So I watched uh, games in the airport and on the plane because it was downloaded and need Wi-Fi and then flying back. <laughs> Same thing. And that's how I ended up with so many games watched. I think I had to watch like one more game when I finally got back from my flight. But that was essentially it was uh, flying did a lot for me because I had nothing else to do. I was just like, all right, well, we're just going to keep grinding here. Working hard. All the tape breakdowns are over on all Bengals. Make sure you check it out. Also, Twitter at Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. We'll be back next week on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.